Welcome to Mandarin Baptist Church, where we are the generations declaring the redemptive story of God on Everyday Mission. Thanks for tuning in this week. We will be taking a quick break from our current series to bring a message that has been placed on our hearts. We believe God is always working and speaking, and our prayer is that this message will minister to your heart as much as it has with us. In future weeks, we will dive back into our series. Before we get started, there are a couple things for you to know. First of all, is we would love to connect with you on a deeper level and even help you take your next steps of faith, whatever that may be. A great first step is joining us on campus for one of our worship gatherings on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. We would also love to help you connect to one of our groups. Regardless of what life stage we are in, we strongly believe that we weren't created to go through this life alone. We need people to come alongside of and help each other out, pointing us back to Christ and encouraging a deeper pursuit of God in our lives. For more information or questions you might have, please check us out online at mandarinbaptist.org. Also, like and follow us at facebook.com slash mandarinbaptistchurch. You will find dates for events like Discover Mandarin, which is a great way of learning a little bit more of who we are, different ministries we are involved in, and local and global missions partners. We hope you will take some time to get to know us more. But for now, let's all open our hearts and let the Word of God move in power as we check out this week's sermon. Student ministry in particular this weekend just want to say thank you, and there's a, a specific thank you to a bunch of adults wearing blue shirts like this. I'm not going to make them stand, but many of us are very sleep-deprived and very tired, um, but more importantly, so many of them have been investing in the hearts of our students. We have um, about 12 college and adults who just, um, who just invest on a weekly basis in the life of our students. You know, we talk about being the generations declaring the redemptive story of God. And parents, I just want to let you know in the room that on the weekly basis, you have parents, adults, college students speaking the hope of Jesus to your students. And this week is uh, that they have been investing extra time in doing that in the life of our students. So I just want to say thank you, adult small group leaders and parents. You should give them a high five, give them a hug, tell them thank you, because they are making a huge impact in the life of your students. And so, yeah, whoop. Um, so, yeah, we have been in this weekend, Make It Matter. And we have been talking with our students about what does it look like to live a life where we, um, that we make a gospel impact, not just make a lot of money one day or have a successful job or have a, you know, a family or have whatever this American dream we might have, but we would be a bunch of people, a group of people, a body of believers who would leverage everything to make most of Jesus while we're on this side of eternity. And, you know, we, we read scripture and I just wonder, do we take it, do we really think Jesus means what he said, like what, what he said when he says verses like, hey, are you going to take up your cross and follow me? If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I wonder if we're going to make it matter, are we going to take Jesus and his words serious? 
Are we going to take these truths and say, you know what, God, you know what's best for me and you know how you want to use me. God, allow your word to shape me. And so over the last few days, we've been talking about some of these truths. We started on Wednesday night talking about, hey, are we going to allow God's word to be the foundation which we base everything on? Are we going to allow his word to speak into our identity, into our, um, just our, our purpose? Are we going to let God's word shape us? And then uh, Friday, or Friday night, we talked just about uh, it's only possible to find wholeness and healing through Jesus. We all have things that bind us. We all have sin and shame that we're in bondage to, and it's only in and through Jesus that we find release from that. And if we're going to make this life matter, we have to rest in that truth, that it is in Jesus we find wholeness, in Jesus we find redemption. And then last week we ended with a bang, talking about counting the cost of following Jesus. Because there's going to be a cost if we're going to take his word serious, if we're going to pick up our cross and follow after him, if we're going to gouge the sin out in our life, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be a relational cost. There's going to be a time and effort and energy cost. We might lose friendships. We might not be the most popular. We might not, have, we might not be able to pursue the career that we want. Or we might have to make hard decisions uh, that stand up for what's moral and what's right in the midst of the workplace. Whatever it might be, there's a cost to following Jesus. And I wonder if the reason why we don't have an impact that we would desire as a church is if we're not willing to pay the cost. If we're not willing to say, Jesus, you have given me everything, so in return, I lay it all at your feet. And it's only when we posture our lives in that way are we going to make the most of following after him. And I don't say those words lightly. I don't say those words lightly. There's a huge cost. I recognize that there's so much, and all of us fall short of that all the time. But today I hope that as we talk, as we explore Acts chapter 7, we would realize this simple truth. That our lives make an impact when we walk in the Spirit and we choose His will, being God's will, over our own. Because so many times we walk through life, we go through life, we make decisions without even going to God about, hey, what is this that you would have for me? Are we resting in His will? Are we resting in our plans and what we want for us? And so in Acts chapter 7, uh, we see uh, a, a sermon. Um, what happens is uh, Stephen has to give a defense to a bunch of the religious rulers. And um, what he ends up doing is taking a whole bunch of experts in the Old Testament law, and he takes them to school. And he offers them this beautiful picture, this sermon, this defense of how uh, God has been at work through Moses and the Israelite people and ultimately how the Israelites had failed to see and listen to God's message. You see, what happened was that the Sadducees came to Stephen, they saw him doing stuff and they accused him of blasphemy and twisting the teachings of Moses. And Stephen's like, hold up, I've been spending time in the word, I know this, and this is what Jesus has been doing and God has been doing throughout history. And there's three major themes that begin to emerge in, in uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 47. I'm just going to kind of summarize these themes 
before we jump into our scripture. The first theme is the activity of God is not confined to a group of people. And in this passage of scripture, which I would highly encourage you to visit this week, in this passage of scripture, it's directly towards Israel. And they were talking about how uh, God's presence and the activity of God was just for the people of God. And Stephen's like, no, Jesus came and made a way so that all peoples, all tribes, all nations could come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. The second thing was that worship can be anywhere, not just the temple, meaning, hey, we have been given this gift of the Holy Spirit that leads, guides, corrects, and sharpens us as believers. We no longer have to go to the temple as the Jewish people would go to worship and be in the presence of God. The presence of God lives within us through his Spirit. And when we gather together, we worship in unison because the spirit within us is is worshiping and crying out to God. We no longer have to go to this temple. We We can worship because the spirit of God is in us. And then the third truth is this, and this is the harsh reality that that he begins to land his plane, so to speak, with his message to these people is that the Jewish people over and over and over and over and over again rejected God's representatives and ultimately his word. And so Stephen is saying some really harsh things. And what I love is multiple times it, talk, it refers to him as being gracious. He's saying these like gut-wrenching truths. I was like, give me just the sweet like graciousness of Stephen, but allow me to speak these harsh truths. So many times we want to come with the hard edge of a truth. And man, Stephen just lays it out there and he says, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work. And so um, Stephen gives a passionate yet gracious response. And in Stephen's final moments, we get to see an incredible impact that we see by him. So if you want to open up, um, we're going to be in verse 48. We're going to start there and there's three truths and uh, we'll, we'll see how that applies to us. And so starting in verse 48, but the most high does not dwell in sanctuaries made with hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What sort of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what will be my resting place? Did not my hands make all these things? And what Stephen is doing here is he's referencing uh, some verses in Isaiah and he's making this argument, this defense of, of who, where the spirit of God dwells and how the people can worship not in the tabernacle and how they have gotten this wrong as Jesus has come on the scene as their Messiah. And what he's illustrating here is beginning to talk about is that we serve this incredibly big God. This God who hung the stars, who created everything we see, who holds and sustains all things, who, who created things like our DNA and weird animals and just the human body. Like he created these things. We serve an incredibly big God. How many times have we gone into a worship service when we just, we've taken that for granted? Like just the awe and inspiring nature of God. We serve an incredible, amazing God. And what Stephen is saying here is, hey, here's this big God. And as he's illustrated this this story, this big God invites us into the story. This big God invites us to participate in a greater story. And you see, Stephen here is actively stepping into his role. And my question for us today is, will we step into our role in the story? 
Will we step into our role? And, you know, we, we back up into earlier act, in Acts, Jesus died, rose again. And in Acts chapter 1, he gives them in Acts 1a just this, this mission to, you know, go into to Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and all the ends of the earth to share of this great hope. We have a clear purpose as we walk this earth. We have a clear purpose to make this name known. And Stephen is, is sitting here giving this historical just kind of reference point to these people saying, hey, this is how God's at work. And this is the story that we get to be a part of. And Stephen stepped forward in obedience. And he ultimately pays with his life, as we'll learn here in a minute. I think it's easy for us to forget as we go about just the busyness of our lives but did you know that God wants to use you every day? God wants to use you to speak hope to your kids. Parents, God wants to use you to speak scripture over your children. Students, God wants to use you to encourage those who are hurting in your hallways. Adults in the room, God wants to use you in the workplace whether that's to be kind, whether that's to be joyful, whether it's to pray for someone specifically, God wants to use you where you are. Will you step into your role in the story? Will you step into your role in the narrative? Because this big God who has created from the moment, from the beginning of everything to now has woven this beautiful picture of history and he's woven it with the thread of the gospel and each and every one of us have an opportunity to latch on to that thread and play a part in history being made as the gospel is being made known to all the earth. Will you step into your role? As we continue through this passage of scripture, we're going to pick up back in verse 51. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, these are some fun verses because they're going to step on toes. Anything that starts off with you stiff necked people, that's fun. That's my type of scripture right there. Um, so anyways, starting in verse 51, it says, you stiff necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are always resisting the Holy Spirit. And this is where he gets sassy, as your ancestors did also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law under the direction of angels, and yet you have not kept it. Stephen is continuing, and he's dropping some truth bombs here. He's saying some really harsh things. I compare it to, uh, have any of y'all ever returned to working out after a long time? It's kind of how I felt reading this this week. And so, like, two years ago, Lauren and I, you know, we had been married for two years, and we were like, we probably need to make some lifestyle adjustments. And I got really big into CrossFit. I'm not anymore. But, you know, the first rule about CrossFit is you got to talk about CrossFit. And so uh, we, we, we... No, we had been married two years. That was six years ago. Oh, thank you for the correction. So it goes, so in my life, in the process of sanctification, it goes like the Holy Spirit and then Lauren in the process of sanctification. So, um, so anyways, so six years ago, we had been married two years. Thank you. And um, I, we got into CrossFit and we did this like baseline workout, which doesn't sound like a whole lot. We would run 200 meters and then we would do like 20 squats, like 10 push-ups, and some kettlebell swings. 
and you would do that as many rounds as possible for like 15 minutes. And like as you saw in the picture of Lauren and I beating each other with noodles, um, we, we are very competitive. It's, I don't know if that's a good thing, but we are very competitive. And uh, so we just start pushing each other. And so we had fun. We got done. We're like, oh, that was awesome. We feel great. And we went about our day. The next morning we woke up. Oh my, oh my goodness. Terrible. The worst part was sitting down. Like my, my, like my legs just didn't bend. Like my, my rear end muscles just didn't function. It was terrible. There was so much stiffness and soreness. But you know what? That was good. That was my muscles breaking down, repairing, getting better. There's a little pain. There's a little soreness. You know, sometimes when we read God's word, there's going to be things that, are, that cause a little soreness cause a little tension. And we might be quick, we might be quick to, to read something like this and be like, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Stephen, he was talking to those Sadducees who had it all wrong and whose ancestors had it all wrong. What he's talking about, hey, Sadducees, you were resisting the Holy Spirit. You were resisting what God had intended for you. You were resisting godly things in your life. And this truth comes out, our natural response is to resist the things of God. You know, before Jesus, we were dead in our sins. We were hostile towards God. I'm capable of some good things, but most things that come from me don't come from a place of goodness. They come from deep hurts. They come from deep anxieties, brokenness, hurts. Our natural response is to continue in that hurt. To seek what feels right. To seek what feels good. To seek what's going to make the most of us. To seek to make our name what, what everything's all about. Our natural response is to resist the things of God. If we are going to make our life matter, if we're going to make an impact and walk in the Spirit and choose His will over our own, we have to realize what our natural response is. And that's to choose not the things of God. As we, as we look at God's word, I wonder what God might be prompting each of us, what we're resisting. Maybe there's a sin that we're holding on to that like no one knows about, and it's like in the deep hole of our heart, and we're like, no one knows about this, but I'm holding on to it. God wants to redeem that. Maybe there's a relationship that you have completely screwed up. God wants to redeem that. The brokenness that we all experience, the sin that entangles us, God wants to step into the mess. And even though we naturally resist this, the Holy Spirit is given to us to guide and direct and change our hearts as the whole process of sanctification as we look to Scripture and allow God's Spirit to transform us. So even though our natural response is to resist the things of God, would we surrender our lives and live with an open-handed, on-our-knees posture to say, Holy Spirit, you can have your way among me? And that's a hard thing to say. It's a really hard thing to wake up and say every morning. Church, my, my challenge to you is even though our natural response is to resist the things of God, may we posture ourselves in a way where we say, God, have your way with us and the things that aren't of you that we would run from, 
that we would cling to godliness and we would cling to your goodness so that we could be a part of, of your mission and what you have for us. The third thing that we begin to unpack, and I'm going to move quickly through this. Actually, no, I'm not. I lied. Um, so in verse 54, it says this. We hear the first Christian martyr here. When they heard these things, they were enraged, gnashing their teeth at him. That's angry. I don't know if I've ever been angry where I've gnashed my teeth, but like that had to been pretty angry. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, listen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Sadducees didn't like that. They yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of the young man Saul while they were stoning Stephen. He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he died. So there's a lot of really cool stuff in here that I spent way too much time geeking out parallels between Stephen and Jesus. And one thing I, I love about this story is that it doesn't end here. For Stephen, on this side of eternity, the story ended here. And if you have one Acts, or Acts 1 through 7, I think it's a good story and there's a lot of really cool things. But what unfolded by Stephen's act of obedience and being willing to be led by, by the Holy Spirit led into a tremendous change in the trajectory of, of the lostness of the world being impacted. A spirit-led life always leads to lasting impact. You see, what happens here is, is Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, is submitted to the Holy Spirit, says, God, do whatever you want. That day his name was called. And he would end up giving his life for the sake of Jesus. You know, Stephen didn't know that when you flip over to Acts chapter 8, we have the joy and the pleasure to flip over and be like, oh, here's Saul, and then here's the church scattering to the nations. Stephen just knew he was being obedient in that moment. I wonder what small steps of obedience we need to take today. Uh, and I wonder the beauty of the impact of those small steps of obedience in the future. Because a spirit-led life leads to a lasting, a lasting impact. So, so church, we, we, see this, we see this played out in the book of Acts, and we see uh, Stephen being spirit-led, and he has this impact of you know, the gospel being spread from the disciples and scattering to the nations, and then through Saul, who had become could become the most uh, known missionary and church planner that the world has ever seen. This side of eternity, Stephen didn't know what was happening, but through his act of obedience, the world was forever changed, lives were saved, and the gospel was made known. This question I, I, I wrote, and I, didn't say, I missed it in the first service as we were preaching, as I was preaching, and the Lord just began to like remind me of this in worship. And it says, what things are we pushing and striving for as a church that only God can do? Because I don't know about you, I don't want to build something that I can build with my hands. I don't want to do something that like I can create. I don't want to do something that our best minds and ideas can create. I want to create something with this body of believers that the Spirit of God creates. 
that's grounded in his word, that's grounded in raising up students to pursue Jesus, that's grounded in families speaking truth to one another. It's grounded with believers living sold out and taking steps of obedience every single day in the big and the small parts of life. So, our lives, if we're going to make an, we make an impact when we walk in the Spirit and we choose His will over our own. As we close this weekend with Make It Matter, church, God's doing something really cool within our student ministry right now. And I just believe that like our students are about to set the pace on pursuing Jesus. Parents, don't let your children outrun you. Pursue the Lord. Submit our lives to him. Say, Spirit, work within me. God, shape me with your word. Shape me with your spirit. And ultimately, a spirit-led life will lead to lasting impact. We might not see it for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Students, your acts of obedience now could impact your great-great-grandchildren. Let's be about kingdom impact. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We hope that this is just the beginning to the gospel conversations we have and share in through our weeks. We never want this to be the end of what God is saying, but just another launching pad for His glory and renown to be central in our lives and relationships. Again, we would love to help you take your next step of faith, possibly here with us as part of our Mandarin family. Visit us online at mandarinbaptist.org and facebook.com slash Mandarin Baptist Church to see what your next step could be. We thank you again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.